Good morning. Welcome to LifePoint today. My name is Donnie Williams. I am one of the pastors here, and I also want to say welcome to people watching online, people at our Wake Forest location, and people at our Crossroads location for watching on the screen. If you're here for the first time at any of our locations, thank you for being here today. We really appreciate you taking part of your day, checking out our church, and we hope we can meet you after the service. Just come down front afterwards. There'll be some pastors down there to say hello and greet you. We're starting a brand new series today called Fine Print. A lot of deals, almost every deal, has some fine print connected to it. I have to, I have to confess something right up front. I buy things from infomercials. Anybody else? Come on, join the club. Raise your hand if you bought stuff from infomercials. Yes, be proud. We're in church. Tell the truth, right? I've done that before. But the mop doesn't mop like it does on TV. The chopper doesn't chop the vegetables quite like the infomercial did. And the, the one-course dinner cooker for the microwave didn't quite deliver and change our lives the way we expected. One thing was common in all those. If you bought one, guess what else you got? For a limited time, if you were one of the last few callers, I would say, honey, call. You know, there's like 30 callers left. Let's call. Let's get one because we get another one for free. But down at the bottom, there's this little asterisk, asterisk, and it says, if you pay $19.95 shipping and handling for a bowl that's worth five bucks. There's conditions. You probably have dealt with some of this yourself. You've probably seen the ads that says, buy the furniture, and you don't have to pay for it for two years. Isn't that cool? Buy the car, 0% interest for five years. It's like you're getting something for free all of a sudden. It's like, honey, we have to go get this stuff. It's free. They're giving it away. If you really pay attention, what you don't realize is you're paying more for it, but it feels like you're paying less for it. But the reality is if you read the fine print, you probably paid several hundred dollars more for that sofa than you should have. And it's probably less quality than you could have gotten by paying cash. There's a lot of fine print. Even just this week, I knew I was getting ready for this message. I was thinking about all the drug ads. And then there's like a 30-second ad and 15 seconds of disclaimers of what it could do to you if you take this drug. Here's some of the ones I found. If you take this drug, and I'm not going to name the drug, but if you take this drug, you may not be able to breathe. Your iris and your eye may permanently change colors. There may be severe bleeding, hallucinations, sleeplessness, addiction, tooth loss, hair loss, hair growth, possibly death. That's in the fine print. So in every agreement, in every contract, there's fine print. So when it comes to Jesus, we finished a series this fall that was all about people finding their way back to God, that was all about people connecting with God for the very first time. And maybe some of you did that. Is there fine print to what Jesus has to say? Is there follow me, but then you got to do this and this and this. Now, I want to make it really clear that when it comes to salvation, salvation is free. Nothing's really free because somebody else has to pay for it. So when you see the words free, somebody's paying somewhere. Salvation's free because Jesus paid for it on our behalf. It's free to us. Anything you've ever gotten that's free, somebody else paid for it. In this case, our salvation, he paid for it for us. 
But are there terms and conditions that we have to consider when we make a decision to follow Christ? That's what this series is all about. Looking at what Jesus said, followers of him would do, would live like, would reflect. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. They are free to you. If you would like one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. You can keep it. You can borrow it. And you can also read along on the screen as I share from God's Word today. We're going to be looking at a New Testament book called Mark that's written by one of the followers of Christ who wrote down the account that he experienced as he became a follower of Christ. As you start to read the New Testament, uh, there's this common theme that starts to develop. And the theme is, large crowds started following Jesus. And why wouldn't they? He was raising people from the dead. He would take someone who was blind and rub mud in their eyes, and they could see. He would heal people of sicknesses. He would teach with authority like nobody else. And so larger and larger crowds started to follow him. One day, there was about 10,000 people plus listening to Jesus. It got dinner time. They didn't have enough food. And he miraculously turned some bread and some fish into enough food to feed 10,000 plus people. So naturally, when people hear that, they're like, well, I got to go check that out. I got to go be a part of that. Of course, I want to follow Jesus. Look at all the stuff you get. Look at all the things that I just want to come and I want to spectate I want to consume what he's doing. And so Jesus starts to realize this. And you see, every time it says large crowds were following Jesus, he starts to teach in a way that helps them understand, here's what I'm really asking for, just so you understand, just so you get it. Here's some of the terms and conditions. Salvation's free, but here's what it means to be a follower of me. So one day when Jesus realizes here's this huge crowd of people, he says this is what happens recorded in Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 34. It says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. This is probably one of the most challenging things that Jesus ever said. Now, we get deny yourself. If you're trying to diet, change the waistline a little bit or something else on your body, you get that, okay, I got to deny myself that piece of cake. I've got to deny that extra thing. Every Sunday, somebody brings donuts back there for the tech team, and I was telling one of the guys after the first service, hey, uh, you uh, didn't deny yourself. He said, yeah, I did, because I wanted three, you know, and I only, I only got one. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not the kind of deny I'm talking about. But we understand that at some point in life, we look and think, I must deny myself this if I'm going to reap the benefits of that. And when you discover that denying myself and saying no has a greater benefit than giving in and saying yes, then it becomes easier to say no. So what Jesus is saying is, you need to learn how to say no to you. That's not easy. That's really difficult. So I have two options. Say no to me or say no to Jesus. Because he's saying, when you follow me, there's going to be a point 
when you need to deny yourself. There's going to be a point when you have a decision to make and there'll be tension and you're going to have to decide, do I say no to me or do I say no to what God's best for me is? Which is it? See, it's not popular today in our culture to think that way of saying no to ourselves and denying self. That's not even popular. When I'm writing the words down to say, I'm like, man, this sounds a little rough, a little tough, but Jesus said it. I don't like it either any more than you do, but he said it. So what does he mean by that? I mean, I would much prefer to say things that make you go, yeah, that's awesome, great, thank you, that's great. And you come up and pat me on the back and and then everybody goes home and you talk about how awesome, man, that sermon was great. But today we're gonna talk about denying yourself. Silence, see, nothing. (laughs) It's not popular. Do you know today, at least today, yesterday when I checked it, 52 different forms of social media. 52 different ways to tell everybody about you. And probably before long, there'll be 53. There'll be one more way to tell the world all about you. There'll be a new way to type it, snap it, record it, say it, display it, some way to let people know, hey, this is all about me. Every time a new form of social media comes out, I think, one more way for me to tell the world about me. So it's not natural to think, well, I'm not going to think about me. I'm going to deny myself. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to learn how to say no to you. And then he says something else that's, that's even more puzzling for us today. Deny yourself. The next thing he says is, they, they want to be my disciple. They must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, when we think cross today, we think about jewelry. Sometimes people wear a cross because they want to remember Jesus. They want to remember uh, what he did for them. They want to let people know, hey, I follow Jesus. Sometimes they wear it for no reason at all. Sometimes they get a tattoo and a cross to remember this is why I did this or this this, uh, memorializes something or helps me remember a certain part of my life. Sometimes it has great meaning. Sometimes it has no meaning behind it at all. Wearing a cross around your neck in the first century would have been crazy. People would have thought, why are you doing that? That's like, why would you wear an electric chair or a guillotine or, you know, a syringe or whatever an execution device is in our culture? Why would you wear that around your neck and be proud of it? Because they didn't understand what the cross meant other than people died on them. That was the way people were executed. And Jesus tells them, deny yourself. Ah, I can't get deny myself. Take up your cross. Whoa, what do you mean take up my cross? Because they would have been thinking, everybody I've ever seen carrying a cross dies. Everybody I've ever seen walking with a cross, they don't turn around and go home and say, oh, I was kidding. It doesn't work that way. They would have immediately thought cross equals death. So Jesus is saying to them, deny yourself, and if following me demands your life, give it. Just give it. Now, people like to say that the church is under great persecution. In the world, it is. In our country, I don't believe it is. It's disrespected. It doesn't have the credibility it once had. But persecution is death, is is something that could lead to death. That's really persecution. 
So there are people in the world that because they are part of God's family, for the, because they are part of his church, they die. That is persecution. That's what people were getting ready to deal with. So Jesus was saying, you need to understand that following me may mean that you die. That's what it might mean. And that's what I want you all to know who are following me. He's saying, following, you, following me may cost you something. At that point, there was probably a lot of people saying, oh, okay, Jesus, this was great. Love those miracles. I think I'm going to go home now. I was with you until you got to this part. There's another section of scripture where one of Jesus' followers records that when Jesus gave some very hard teaching, it said that people turned back and no longer followed him. When it got to the, to the commitment side, when it got to the part about, hey, if you're going to follow me, this is what you need to understand, people started saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Jesus had to let them know, following me means you put everything behind me. It means saying no to yourself. And he made them start to wonder, is it worth it? They would have probably been uncomfortable. Just like I feel a little uncomfortable saying all this, they probably started to feel a little uncomfortable thinking, should I do this? Should I not? Is it too hard? Is it too difficult? And then he says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is a brilliant thought from Jesus. If you really think about what he's saying here. This first part that he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Just think about that. He's speaking to everybody because the death rate is 100%. It's one to one. One per person. That's how death comes. So we're all going to die. But yet, what do we do? We do things to prolong our life, which is wise. Exercise, eat right, make sure that we're not doing stupid things that could kill us. We diet. We want to prolong our life, of course, because the longer life we have, the longer time we have to impact. I'm going to do that too. I'm going to go as long as I can, and I want it to last as long as possible. But the truth is, the reality is, you're going to die. No matter how much money you have, no matter how little money you have, no matter what you do for a living, no matter what you do, no matter if your body looks so much just buff right now, it's going to wear out. And you're not going to be able to put something on it and fix it. You're not going to be able to cut something off and fix it. You'll die. So write this down. I am going to die. So when your friends that may not be here today and they say, what would you talk about today in church? Well, the pastor said I'm going to die. That's not a threat. That's what Jesus says. We're going to lose our life. He's saying that which you're trying to save you're going to lose it anyway, no matter what you do. So if you're trying to save your life, you know what's going to happen in the end? You're going to lose it. So and he say, what he's saying is, I want to, you to give to me that what you're going to lose anyway. That's a deal. I'm losing it anyway, so why don't I give it to somebody that can allow it to last for eternity? Now that's a deal. Imagine if you live that way. Imagine if daily you lived with the realization that this life is short anyway, so I'm going to live it for someone who can cause it to last forever. It's going away 
Why not give it to somebody else? So the next challenge that Jesus gave to these people who were simply consuming what he was doing, they were just spectators, and he's challenging them. They say they're following him, but he's trying to define what it is, and he says this, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Imagine that you had everything you ever wanted, everything. No matter what you named, you could have it. What good is it to have all of those things, all the possessions that you might be working for right now to either acquire or keep up or save for somebody else, all of those things? What good is it if you get to the end of your life and you've traded your soul for it? In other books in the New Testament, it's translated, or in another episode, Jesus said, what if you trade your very self? What if you gave yourself up for everything that you have? Jesus would say, you've really gained nothing. 97% of Americans say, in poll after poll, that they believe in heaven, a life after this one, a life that will go on after this one is over. The life that began in your mother's womb and when God put you together physically and spiritually, something began there. And he tells us, if you'll give me the life where you're here on this earth, I can help the rest of eternity be full of life for you. What if at the end, even though you had everything you wanted, you forfeited your very soul to get that? What if you knew that hanging on here and going for everything here that meant, meant that you had to give up that which could last for eternity? That, that would be a horrible investment. Because if you think about it, if you think of eternity, it's hard to wrap our minds around this thing that never ends, but our life is like this. It's like this much, this little tiny piece. So why would we spend everything, all the time, just focused right here on something that's going to end anyway? Because it's going to get to the end, it's going to be over, and then you got all that space out there. And if all you focused on is over here, on this side of eternity, you're going to forfeit a lot. Jesus said, forfeit your own soul. So what good would it be if you had everything you ever wanted in this space but you didn't live past it. You chose death after that. You chose not to live for eternity. What if you were on your deathbed and you had everything you ever wanted, everything, and somebody showed up and said, hey, if you give all of that up, you can have eternity, you can have your soul. You would say, where do I sign? Where do I sign? Because I'm at the end and I want to go on something after this. And you would say, here it is. You can have it. I wasn't going to be able to take it with me anyway, so somebody else can have it. You would give it all away. Making that shift in our minds can change the way we live day to day. It really can. Thinking of everything that we see is such a short little snap. And it's over. I told you this was very encouraging stuff. But it should change how you invest your life. When you make, make the shift in your mind 
that Jesus asks us to give up that which we're going to lose anyway, it, would, it should change the way you invest your life. So I'm going to lose this life anyway, so why not give it to somebody that can make it last for eternity? Good deal. That's a really good deal. That's a great investment. It should change the way you invest your money, your resources. If you have a hard time being generous when, when we ask you to be generous or when anybody asks you to be generous, when you have opportunities to be generous, if you have a hard time with that, you're going to have to give it up later, sooner or later anyway. No matter how much you have, how little, sooner or later, you got to give it all up. And Jesus is just saying, be generous now with that, with the stuff you can't take with you anyway. That's why it baffles me when people just refuse to be generous. I'm not talking about just giving to the church or giving here. I'm talking about generosity everywhere, generosity with your life. It baffles me when people say, no, I'm not going to do it because you're not going to hang on to that forever anyway. Write this down. If you're, if you're a young person, you've got to write this down. This could change your life. And put Donnie Williams beside of it, okay? No, you don't have to put my name beside of it. I'm kidding. You, you're going to be dead. Write this down. You're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive. So prepare for death. Isn't that heavy? You're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive. So prepare for death. Do the math. Which makes the most sense. If, if all there is is this little short amount of life, years that we get to live, if that's all there is in the universe, we really got a bad deal. We really got the bad end of everything. But that's not all there is. Jesus promises us that's not all there is. So you're giving your life up anyway. That's unavoidable. How about realizing that since you got to give it up anyway, give it to the one who can give it back to you. Give it back to you and the amount of impact it has on your life and on those around you while we are here on earth. Remember, salvation is free. Jesus is not saying, earn anything from me. He's saying, salvation is free. But he's saying, look, I paid this price for you. Following me is eventually going to cost you something. At some point... In the journey of following Christ, there's going to be some tension between what you want and what God wants for you. And then you are going to have to make a decision. Do I say no to me or do I say no to God? Do I say yes to my feelings because, oh, I feel it and it must be natural? Or do I say no so I can say yes to God? Do I say no to who I'm dating because that person's not going to help me get any closer to Christ? Do I say no to the career that I've chosen? Do I say no to the people I hang out with? If I'm going to follow Jesus, there's some things in life I'm going to have to say no to. Am I going to continue with that habit? Am I going to continue with that belief? Whatever it is, sooner or later, there's going to be this tension and you're going to have to decide, am I going to say no to me or am I going to say no to God? And Jesus ends this short teaching with saying this, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And what he's trying to tell those people, look, if you're going to follow me, it means that you stand up for me. 
It means that you speak words that I would have you speak. It means you live in such a way where people know that you are a follower of me. You don't live hidden like, well, we can't let people know that. What, you know, yes, definitely people with the title Christian have given lots of us a really bad reputation because they do really stupid things and say really mean and nasty things. But that shouldn't keep us from saying, I am boldly proclaiming that I'm a follower of Christ. That's what he's asking those people to do. And for us, it simply means live my life in such a way where people see a difference where they know because I'm a follower of Jesus, I do things differently. I don't look like everybody else. I don't speak like everybody else. I don't act like everybody else. I'm not just a consumer. I'm a contributor. And Jesus is saying to these people, look, give to me what you can't keep anyway. What a deal. Not only is it gonna impact today, it's gonna impact eternity. Life will be different. Make the shift change your perspective, realize what are the things, what are the things that I need to say no to so I can give to him that which I can't keep anyway. A little over 10 years ago, Aaron Ralston had a dilemma. Here's a picture of him on the screen. He's the guy, you probably heard the story, that was hiking in Utah, fell into a canyon, got his arm jammed in a rock, uh, between the canyon wall and a rock, and stayed there for several days, ran out of water, and finally made the gruesome decision that the only way he was going to live was to amputate his own arm. The only chance that he had, I'll spare you the gory details. He's got a book about it, there's a movie about it, but he describes in detail what it was like going through physically what he had to go through. Could you imagine saying to yourself, if, if I'm going to live, this arm's got to go. Later in the speech, he would say, I didn't lose my arm, I gained life. So what is it that if I'm going to really give my life completely, totally to Christ, what has to go? What has to, be, what has to be away? What has to be gone from my life? We all have something. What is it? You have to be able and, and willing to say, God, I'll lose my ideas for what I want to trade it for the ideas and plans you have for my life. Jesus said, whoever loses their life for my sake will gain it, will get it back. That's what he's trying to let people know. What, it, what do you need to cut loose? Relationships, bad habits, other things going on in your life. May this challenge from Jesus help you make that shift to realize I need to give him that which I am going to lose anyway. And Jesus doesn't turn and say, oh, by the way, here's the fine print. Now that I got y'all here, let me let you, that's not how it was. He just gave some clarification to this is what it means to follow me. And if you've recently made the decision to follow Christ, he is saying, give to me that which you cannot keep anyway and watch how I give you this complete and full life that you could have never imagined in spite of what comes your way. Let's pray. God, thank you for this challenge that comes from Jesus. Father, it's hard to deny ourselves. It's hard for me to deny me. 
But God, I pray that you give each of us the strength to do that, especially, God, the people who are dating people they shouldn't date, having jobs they shouldn't have, hanging out with people they shouldn't hang out with. God, give each person that's dealing with that now the strength to move beyond that relationship and fully give you the life that they're going to lose anyway. God, thank you for giving us back our life and promising us this full and complete life in the years we have on earth. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.